back to Flight to Allegasia. Uh, it is a beautiful day here, at least where I'm living. It is sunny and like 50, 60 degrees. That's nice. So it's really nice. Um, you still have snow? Yeah, it's, so it rained and all the snow got washed away and then it dropped another six inches. Um, and it's still snowing. And it, it's like, it's very pretty. Like all the trees are frosted, all the snow is like all like, well, yeah, I, I really like snow. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's nice. All right, all right. Uh, that being said, we covered a decent amount of pages with an okay amount of information. I mean, it was pretty, awesome. it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, but yeah, it was a good. Not... It was a pretty big section. Uh, like we mentioned last time, we'll probably kind of stick with the bigger sections just because it's keep this flow of the book going, especially in these middle middle of the book. Um, yeah, yeah. When there's a lot of traveling and such. Uh, with that being said, though, I think we're all good. I do believe. Oh, as a heads up, as we're heading into March soon, the last week, if not the last two weeks and the first two weeks of April, we may or may not have a have an episode. We'll try our best, but hey, I'm getting married, and that takes you know, no offense, guys, it takes priority. Uh, so <laughs> if there I hope so. if there isn't an episode, uh, that's why. Uh, we'll have I'll send out we'll let you guys know when the last episode is and when we'll be able to pick it back up but um that being said I think that's only the the only really big update we have in terms of what could occur to our podcast I know Armin come May will have uh his exams and stuff so we might take a, a week or two weeks there off so you can study uh because education is important yeah I don't really think there's much more to say uh, Armin, do you have any updates you're trying to give out? No, I mean, that's there. No. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, well, we'll go ahead and start off with a chapter 25 for Prince of Shadow. I'll let Armin take it away. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's not really all that much to talk about for much of this. Um, so we, uh, we get hints of Roran's new assignment. Roran's going to be, uh, He's going to become a gorilla. He's going to start uh, hitting supply lines and uh, engaging in general guerrilla warfare. Love to see it. Um, oh, actually, and I don't. I well, you guys have emailed and messaged us all this stuff, and I still have failed to tell Armin about it. The ship actually was Arya's ship when in the beginning of this book. That's what I was thinking. Okay, so yes, you were right. It was yeah. her ship. I was half right that it was an elven ship. <laughs> I was, yeah, like, I was, thinking, I was hey. like yeah i was that was like kind of messing with me not gonna lie so no he was right and so there was the ship and thank you all for getting on it and letting us know um but yeah i just want to make sure i said that before i forget again and we don't get it on record <laughs> and you guys are like just tell her but yeah sorry take it right then all right so starting off footprints of shadow over hill and mountain we got Roran's next assignment, which is to engage in guerrilla warfare and um, basically start hitting caravans or supply lines or just be a general nuisance to the Empire. Um, I don't know why authors love doing this so much. Like, I have no complaints. Like, this is a like sound battle tactic. Like, this is how rebellions that have less resources usually win. But it's very just it's a just very common thing to see. Um, and just to just point out, like, that's a lot of authors use this. Because honestly, a lot of authors write from the perspective of the rebels, but um, 
it's just interesting to think about. I just was having some passive thoughts there. Um, with this, uh, Eric, with this attack situation in terms of um, this way to wanting to try and sack cities and sack supply lines, one of our listeners actually uh, emailed in stating here. Let me pull it up actually for us. Uh, I've got it pulled up. Um, okay, talking about hmm. the uh, Cameron Crick. And uh, I'll state it, what he says. He goes, uh, I love your show. Well, of course, everyone loves our show. And I, and I listened to you <laughs> to, to your most recent episode, and I wanted to point out something else. You guys are talking about why sacking all the cities. They don't want to be fighting on two fronts. If they don't sack the cities, they might have a city, have, they might leave a city unoccupied and leave an opening from an attack from behind. Oh, okay. Get that? But I'm still, I mean, if you understand 100%, please clarify it to me, because I'm still a little bit confused at what they're, what he's trying to say. Um, so I think he's saying, like, that they, uh, all right, if you look at the map, let's say that we draw a line where the Varden are. Yes. So if we move the line north up the map as they progress, let's yes. say that, like, the space behind them remains that way. Yes. I, this is actually the point that you were making, I think. I thought so. Um. Yeah, like that, that that was the point that you were making to me. And I forgot how I rebutted it because ah, I don't know. But Jerk. um Yeah, but then like you said if they leave cities behind them, they uh if they leave cities behind them they go essentially instead of being that whole expanse of where they've already come, it'll be like a ribbon across the map of where they are. So they like they'll be between cities and they can garrison and get hit from both fronts there. That I understand. I was saying that I think I think I was saying that they don't they're not gonna win by conquest. They need to focus on taking Galbatorix out and they can't do that as an army, they have to do that with Aragon. Yeah, and but, I think um, I think another rebuttal you had was what the fuck are they gonna do with the people? Because now you have more people to care for and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Which it makes sense. Uh but that sorry. Uh I think something that I said last time that I, I still I hate to see it because this is where I think it's leading, is that whole dynamic of you you put your friends or your people in a bad situation to look like the hero. Um, and I feel like that's what Miss is doing. Again, like we talked about last time, was spreading her forces out, such as going south and going north. And granted, maybe this is the best tactic because like you said, this is what a lot of rebellions do. This is very common. This is very like classic rebellions tactics to hit supply lines, go for the small and go from there. Like it's, it makes sense and it does work. So I guess there's not really much to complain, but granted, we are reading from the Rebellion's point of view, and we want the Rebellion to win, and, well, unless this book has a very, very hard twist in the end, where, you know, Gabatorix wins and defeats all, and Aragon dies, which I don't think so, uh, I do believe this tactic's going to work out in their favor. Um, or maybe... My biggest worry is that as soon as they catch on to it, I mean, Thorne and Murtaugh are just going to be out roaming the roads and just, like, putting on fire on everyone else who's around. I don't know. I think that'd be a, I think that'd be a cool showdown between Roran and Murtaugh. It wouldn't go well, but it would be cool. Yeah. And but. I love, I love, I think, I don't know if you mentioned it, but I love Aragorn's word advice of, words of advice when he talks about if you ever encounter a magic spell caster. Yeah, just turn and run. Just run the end. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all there is to it. But although Roran's company or his little contingent does have a spellcaster, 
Um, yeah, so we'll talk, talk about, about that. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about it a bit. I found that I actually found that really cool. Okay. Um, but beforehand, Aragon goes to the kitchens and just sits there, and it's uh, honestly, I was kind of impressed with this. Like this, this was pretty cool. But he sits there and he takes every animal that's being killed for meals and absorbs their energy, and that that was some smart shit. That was like, in terms of like just being efficient and being um, just like. Yeah, it's practical. It's efficient. It's like that was that was hella smart. That was just. I mean, I know like Aragon's got the whole qualms about that, but like, I mean, in terms of practically, that's about the best you can do. Like, and I, and I and I do love that he still has this like quarrel within himself about what he what yeah. is occurring, you know. And and I am glad they're sticking to this. I'm sticking to like probably sticking to what was there before. And not just ignoring it and saying that, well, I'm doing what I need to do, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, he still has this internal worry that I think is really good. Yeah. So Aragon stocks up, says goodbye to Rorn and Katrina. And, and then he dips. And Sephir, yes. Then he dips. He goes out, uh, invisibility cloaks himself. And um, much. he goes, yeah, he leaves and he meets Nar Garzvog. Which I love. I love this little part here. Um, just when they're on the road, this is honestly there's like not much to talk about because um, I mean it's just it's fairly straightforward. But um, now first of all, fun. That was a baller move from Nargar's Fog. He just carries around the stomach of a cave bear. I know. And uses it as a cooking pot. Like that's some baller shit right there. That is, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> badass. In my head, I won't lie. Like in my head, I thought he was just kind of like clothed. And like didn't really have any else upon him. You know what I mean? Like for some reason in my head, I just didn't think of him carrying anything. But it makes sense that he does. Yeah. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't you, right? I mean, you're traveling. You have to carry something. Exactly. Like he's on the road. He's got to have something. Exactly. Like, so I'm like, huh. I do. I do. I do wonder what like how much longer Aragorn would have lasted if he was the one who had to say, "I need to stop, rest, and eat." Like, I wonder if he could have lasted, like, another day. I don't know. I know it's, like, really dumb, like, thought process. But, like, I really wanted to know, like, the the agility and, like, the endurance of a dragon rider compared to a coal. Because, like, the way they describe coals in this book, I always feel like they're similar to elves. And that, like, they're overly yeah. powered, like, beings. And Honestly, they're able to... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. I just said they're mostly able to, you know, withstand... For like a various amount of anything, so honestly, I've seen them mostly as like the orcs from Skyrim, not from Lord of the Rings, but the orcs from Skyrim, like um, in that way, just sort of uh, just how they're how they act, or how they're treated, and especially when uh, Garzvog is describing his village, it's kind of um, kind of similar to a lot of the uh, to the orcish villages in in Skyrim. If y'all have ever played, if not, they're essentially what. Nargarzvog describes but um that was also cool to see the um them telling stories to each other about each other's villages um especially Nargarzvog telling about their traditions and Palini we know Palini loves his world building and his races um to just describe what we did with the dwarves with elves humans and we're getting a little bit of the Urgles as well that's that was really cool which I love I like I enjoyed that you know yeah um I, I, I just love their stories. I really did. I mean, like again, like 
this is a huge section, but there's not much to talk about because you're just kind of traveling yeah. and describing what's occurring. Um, I love the section with the beasts around. I don't know if we're at that yeah. point yet, but I love that area and that section. Sure. It's just, yeah. I mean, in my head, it's, it, which is very ironic, but like you were told the story about him killing, you know, a bear cave and not being as big as he currently is. Yeah. And then and doing get, with his bare hands. Yeah. And then you get yeah. to hear the description of it and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> this dude is a yeah. bad motherfucker. Um, oh, yeah. And the, the wolf thing? What was that? I forget what it's called. Uh, it's what, a skurg or a skrig? Shurg or something like that. But uh, it might be a shurg, yeah. It, that was pretty cool. Yeah. What, with what Aragon did, that was really cool, I thought. In terms oh, absolutely. Of, like, not immediately thinking it's, you know, hostile and trying to take, you know, trying to make like, friends with it almost. And I, I want to say tame it, but just, you know, make sure they understand that, you know, they're not there to hunt them down you know they're like yeah they're in their land but they're just chilling like they're yeah they just want to get to us x they just want to go a to b that's it you know yeah although i think it, i find it kind of cool that that could have gone both ways because garzvog could have tangled with that wolf like i would have that's a part of it i would have loved to have seen that i kind of i kind of wanted to see that because i was like mm, we just talked about him killing a cave bear we get the reference to the cave bear a little bit later on I know. Uh, um, I, I was, was like, I, I kind of wanted to see Garzvog tangle with the skirt. Wait, wait, sorry, with the shirt. I got. I. Um, I think that would have been so cool. Yeah, but it's also you know like Aragon can do that, so that's a moot point yeah. since Aragon can talk to animals. But yeah, nah, that's yeah. And the part with the cave bear was cool as well. I don't know why Palin put that in, aside from just like you know the the. Like the beasts of the mountains, the beasts of the Bjors, but as we get that conversation about them way back in the beginning of book two, yeah. um, when the Aragons crossing through them, but still, like it's not doesn't seem like on on Facefell it doesn't seem like it would be all that significant unless we find out later that you know Garzog had to tangle with another cave bear on his way back. Yeah, um, or like, yeah, I don't know. Um, but that was just you're right. That was a cool section, especially with the Shirk and how they handled that. Yeah. Um, and there's also like a nice little shout out to their camp in the desert. Remember that in the Haradak? Or the yes. Hadarak? That was just a cool little like thing that they crossed. The, yeah, the Haderach. Um Because run through, he's like, hey, I think I camped there. Yeah, I was running which, for my life. Like, which, is, which is just really funny because like, which takes me to think about like, even if his prophecy didn't say he was going to leave Alagazia and never return, right? Why wouldn't he want to? There's so many harsh memories in the land. There's some good ones, don't get me wrong. That's fair. But if the, if you can believe that there's more out there than what you currently are on, with what you've been dealt with, and having a dragon, why not the fuck get out? Like, that's in my head, at least, you know, just accept yeah. that like it's not ideal and it's not gonna like it i don't know and personally i just believe that they like yes there's already it's already prophesized to do it but i mean i mean that prophecy can have a bunch of different meanings it could just mean he dies that's true i don't believe so because there's a fifth book about his prelogue epilogue 
Which is it? Uh, epilogue's after. Prologue's yeah. before. Epilogue. And so, I don't believe so. But granted, he might just leave and go to the spirits, and he could just be in the spirit world now. So, yeah. for all we know. Um, but no, I really do like that shout out about his like past. And yeah. I feel like if he just flew around Alagazia after being done, especially with what's to come, like I mean, we haven't even gotten to Uterbane and like all that jazz yet. Like, yeah. shit. You know? I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a nice, just a nice little memory reminder. Yeah. And last but not least, we get the return of Oric. He's waiting for Aragorn at the end, or he sees Aragorn sees him at the end. Oh, uh, is that actually uh, mentioned? Yeah. Oh. Um, I think so. I thought it was just like with the dwarven kids, and they're just taking him to the mountain. Yeah, I it's just like think... people. The dwarves need to teach that kid stranger danger. But um, but no, he's like um. <laughs> Aragorn made his uh, way towards Mount uh, Thardur and there Bregenhold, oh, there to his Bregenhold and his foster brother Orc. So I think we don't actually get Orc here. Okay. He's going to him. Okay. Um, but that's something I'm excited for too. I really liked Orc in the uh, in book two. Me too. Um, Do you believe that, so because we're about to get the section of the dwarves and everything like that, so let's talk about what we believe or predictions we might have in terms of that scenario. Do you think Oric is going to become the next chief. Do you think he's like, what do you think is going to occur? I think it's pretty likely, honestly. Um, also, I think, I think there's a good chance that Orc might become the new clan chief of uh, Durst Ig- Ignedium. Ignium or something. Ignium, yeah. I think there's a good chance that Orc has become the chief of that clan because remember, Hrothgar was, the, was not only the high king, he was also the clan chief of orc and aragon's clan so like they have they'll they will have to have elected a new clan leader beforehand like before electing the king so i think there's a good chance the orc will already be that and um that would help his position um but i think they'll have a honestly obviously they'll have a shit ton of opposition in the political aspect because of where we just where we left the dwarves in book two like um they were like honestly they were worse politically than the vard yeah like that was, yeah. So, so I I'm think we we'll get a bunch very of confused. Shit. I'm also very confused. Are there just dwarves at the Varden also? I think so. Like, I mean, like that's the only thing I can think of because, like, he talks about how the mead was bought. They have at least two dwarves in the the Night Stalkers, the guard, the hot yeah. guard. Like, so there must be other dwarves just chilling out in the Varden, just waiting, I guess, and being supportive. So in my head, I'm like. I get you want more dwarves, but what more dwarves are there? And I guess I oh, now that I'm saying it, is it just the other clans? Is that what yeah, I'm thinking? Think like, so. there's only the support of the one clan right now, and she wants support of all the clans. And the only way to do that is have your head chief clan leader do do it. Yeah. Okay. Although I think the way things have gone in the past for the dwarves, that that is also not going to happen easily. Because um, the other clans were already not entirely happy with Hrothgar's rule and not entirely happy with the Durst Ignium rule or Ignatium rule. Um, yeah. Sorry for y'all if we keep on mispronouncing that. I forgot how it's spelled. Um, but seeing as we've already had like contention over Hrothgar's rule and his clan's rule and their support of the Varden, I think we're going to have pe- the doors are going to know that if Auric wins or if Aragon's back clan wins, then they're going back to war. And they may a lot of them may not want to go back to war. 
Um, sort yes. of in the sense of like like Thranduil with the elves not coming back. Yeah, that's true. We also got to remember, you know, there's the dwarves up in the forest that hated Aragorn for yeah. being like allowed to be a part of. It. So we, I mean, I we still got to see what happens with it. I really believe I. We talked about how Valini has a very similar writing style in each of his books right now, where you know he has a, like a big action in the beginning, build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, and then a battle at the end. Yeah, I believe there's a possibility of like a like a the Battle of Five Armies again style scenario in the end of the fourth book, where you know the dwarves from all around, the elves come down, Urgos, the humans, and then the Empire, and so like, I mean that's. Yeah. I mean, it, it could. Yeah, this is a big five there. Yeah, um, and so it, it, who knows what's going to happen there? Um, I do want to talk about this. I completely forgot to mention this. Also, apparently, we only oh, phrase At least I forgot that Nesueda named Aragon her successor. So we were talking about if Nesueda died and who would take leadership. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I yeah. completely forgot about that. Me too. Um, Anna, uh-huh. I don't know if you remember everyone, but Anna's who had one of our yeah. first uh, interviews. She's the one who made yeah, okay. But yeah, it's so that's the so we're talking about like who, who would take over, but in reality, the true successor would be Aragon. Now he doesn't want to be in charge, I don't think. And I think as soon as this rebellion thing is over and Galvatorix is dead, he will just hand the torch over to whomever wants it next. Honestly. Um, or deserves it, and so I—I I mean, that's I guess where we're coming from when we were talking about it earlier. We we'll talk about that scenario again, but that's something we—I forgot, and I guess Armin did too. Yeah. Where? Yeah, I forgot about that. So, because you're talking about with these dwarves, you know, who would take the next like chief and everything, and like what, like they didn't. I think it's really funny that they don't have one already online. Yeah, you know, which I guess makes sense. But still, <laughs> like, they're just kind of there now. Like, they're just kind of waiting and yep. arguing in the council room. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, it's just, like, we'll find out. Yeah. It's honestly, I think it'll definitely be hectic. The prospect of their starting a civil war in the Dwarven Hold is cool, but I doubt that's going to happen. I doubt, I doubt Palini's going to a lot time to that. Um, <laughs> we got but, another 800 pages to go through. Eh, fair enough. Um, that's why I don't think that's enough time. Um, <laughs> but um, that's pretty much all there is to this section. Um, we're definitely going to get more with the politics in the next one. Um, yeah. But other than that, let's move on to Roaring. Oof. 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 Um. So Roaring, this is the, like the first aspect, of, like chain of command that we've seen in the Varden, and I actually really like it. Yeah. Um. Like I actually, I kind of like Redbeard's introduction. Uh, like it doesn't matter. Pretty much anything. Just what matters is if we follow orders and get the job done. Right. Um, just like a very like no nonsense military commander kind of like idea that Roran has to adhere to, and Roran's like ready to like he's obviously prepared. You like this or yes sir kind of thing. Um, but we haven't really seen much like we haven't seen many of Nasueda's lieutenants in action in terms of the actual Varden and their military organization. So it was just, it was a cool thing to look through. Um, and we get the uh, small classic battle scene that earned the main character respect in the eyes of their superior. Yep. Good old classic. Had, 
mean, it's a trope for a reason. People yeah. love it. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's yeah, it's it's a good. It's always a good feeling to like to see. You're like you're rooting for the character. Like yes, the people recognize him, and it's classic. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you what do you think about Karn? I know you said you want to talk about the magician. Um, yeah. So I just found him cool because like he's. He says that he doesn't have that much like magical aptitude, but what he does is that he prepares intensely and like is very clever about it. He prepares one like very complicated and minute and nuanced spell, I think is how they described it. Okay. And he does one because he doesn't have that much magical aptitude or that much magical endurance. And he uses one thing to cover all other things and then he executes it and it works. So it's just like a cooler. It's a cool reminder that people's magical ability is limited by their imagination. Okay. Um, and he's got a great one. Let's see. Hold on. So Karn, well, if, I want to actually find a description of him. Um, yeah, yeah. So Karn was not a particularly strong magician. He struggled to cast every spell, but that he compensated for his weakness by inventing extraordinarily clever spells and by excelling at worming his way into his opponent's mind. So, he struggles to cast the spell, but the spells that greater effect because he puts them together very smartly. I just, I just, I find that cool. It's just another like reminder that people's magical ability is limited by their expertise and their usage of it, like how well they can use their mind. Yeah, and, and it's at the end of the day, I think the spellcaster's duel is very strategic based you know you have to have the strategy and you're constantly in strategy i mean you're you don't stop because they're gonna throw something you got throw you got block and throw something at the same time and then vice versa and just keep them back and forth and the biggest thing is all while you're casting well i guess not while you're casting because i remember brahm talking about it and i think oramus too when doing a magician's duel like that you you don't really do anything until you take control of the other person's mind as much. I mean, you can, you can do a couple of spells here and there, but for the most part, you wait until you have full control of their, of their, of their mind. And yeah. which, I mean, Aragon did with Durza when they're in for further and like it worked well. It did the job, but granted he still, I mean, he still had to get rescued at the end. Let's be honest here. But, um, I think with this, it's. I really hope he grows. Like, I really want to see Karn grow because, like, I want to see that very complexity of like being able to create the spell. Be with someone who also has like the ability of like Aragorn, and I'm yeah. not to say like he's not good because clearly he is. He's just like imagine him having the to be able to exert the exact same amount of energy and maintain oh, yeah. like Aragorn with the spells that he can do. Yeah. Like, that is crazy. So yeah. I think I'll I think he's gonna be a player in the in the future. Me I too. Really do. Cause that's one thing is yes, his like his mind and how he's interacting with Roran, I think he's gonna be a lot more significant because of his name. Um now Palini likes doing names. He doesn't honestly he doesn't do that many like obviously symbolic names, but I just couldn't help but think but Karn is a variation of two words that I think might be particularly interesting to think about. Uh, one being uh, Karn, as in Cairn, uh, a tomb, a sepulcher. Um, or Karn, as in Carnage. Um, so, 
I mean, of course, that's just absolutely reading entirely too far into this. But a lot of times in like a lot of times in literature, people's names are indicative of what they do. Um, Just like the first one that immediately comes to mind is Arthur Dimsdale from The Scarlet Letter. And God, I hated The Scarlet Letter. But um, Dimsdale is still indicative of what he does. Uh, Same with the antagonist, Roger Chillingsworth, which is just funny. But um, but that's just why, of course, this is uh, Palony doesn't hasn't really done this with any other characters but just seeing like karn being the magician pops up out of the new and like, yeah that name yeah. yeah i would not mind seeing a lot more of it i think yeah i really hope there's more to him coming like in like and later in this book i hope he gets oh you know what i really hope i really hope that he helps Roran. yeah get, like learn magic like that would be I, cool yeah. And, and my biggest thing right now is I think the problem with Roran, yeah, you can give him a spell to see if he already has it within himself, but if it doesn't work, you have to go find your energy then. Like, stop wasting your time trying to cast a spell and do the thing that you know you can't do because you've been trying to do it for the past two months. Like, relax and just Go find the energy you need, like where your energy sources come from. That's I just that's yeah. a personal personal belief in that aspect. But yeah, I mean that makes sense. So I really hope but, that um, I kind of hope that Warren gets like Thor like powers of just lightning and just oh my god, that'd be hilarious. No, I'm sorry, that no, that would be funny and that would be pretty epic. But that'd be epic for like two minutes and then it'd just be what the hell is happening? <laughs> um, so. Yeah, honestly, there's also not much more to this one. Roran, pretty cool battle scene. The Ox one that hurts him, he's confused about that one in terms of like Aragorn's protection spell, but uh, I guess we'll find out about that. Yeah. I but mean, that also might just the, be... There's also the you know the, the thought process of, oh, I've killed again. I still don't know how many. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was... I wanted to get to that too in terms of like Roran's morality and... um. Just how he can keep on killing is he gonna have to kill the entire empire just to get a safe like family? Um then he's like there has that moment of like, yeah, it's for my love. And I was like, okay, uh huh. We we already knew that one. Yeah. Um Look, you already valid it. So I mean you you know you're yeah. gonna do it or die trying. <laughs> yep. And um Yeah. I wanna I wanna see I wanna see him interact with non-humans i don't care if it's Roar. elves yeah i don't care if it's elves and dwarves or urgles i just want to see because he's been around humans and he sticks into his human side of the camp and he sees the dwarves and the urgles from afar but he doesn't really interact with them so i really want to see i want to see what he does because he we talked about how he never really was quote-unquote put in his place when he was leading the Varden or leading the uh carvajal villagers from carvajal you know, he was very, very bully type style of mannerism to, you know, maintain leadership. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, he did what he had to do, but he was definitely more of a bully than, you know, if people didn't. Yeah. I, at least I didn't think people gravitated towards him. Um, it was, they just felt he was rather autocratic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to see him interact with another race and with them also being more in power and see what occurs and see yeah. how he reacts and what is to come from there. I think he'd be a big hit among the dwarves and I could totally see him just chilling it with the Urgles. Like, uh, 
Um, the elves, like I could also see, like I could see, like the poet side of Roaring coming out with the elves, but like I could see him just kicking it with the dwarves and the urgles. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah, that'd be funny. That would be kind of funny. But that and he's uh, just they're gonna continue on that war path, and I'm curious to see how we get diverging storylines again. So this one's rather interesting because we don't split perspective until about halfway through the book, um, right. which is a little risky, honestly, in terms of writing. But I think the length of the book makes that fine. It's yeah. like switching perspectives between the books inside. You know how there's book one and book two in the Fellowship, yeah. and then there's book three and book four in the Two Towers and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's essentially like that. I, I'm picking up on that sort of here. How like Halfway through the book, we get a change in perspective. We get split perspectives. Um, and we're, we're back to having parallel storylines. So. I mean, we had splits in the beginning of this book, you know, between the Varden and Aragon. Yeah. It wasn't major. I mean, they weren't parallel storylines at all. They just were recurring at the same time. Um, so I, I do wonder what's going to happen with Boron and Aragon and all that. I, I feel like a lot of politics is about to occur. Yeah. And... Everyone knows how much we love politics. So, so much. I mean, we've had quite a bit of a break from them, to be honest. Yes. That's fair. Yes, but no. We, like, they've always kind of been there. Yeah, they're still... In my head, if I see the if I see the name Nesueta, I think politics right off the bat, in my head. I'm sorry, yeah. I don't care if she's destroying 150 zombie guys. Yeah. It's it, for some reason I still think politics. Um, that's that that's fair. That's fair. Which I mean, that's her role. I mean, so I don't you know that's it's not like it's a bad thing. It's just that's the role that she is given. Um, yeah. yeah. This might be the first time we have a big session where we try to do a short episode where we actually accomplish doing a short episode. Yeah. You're welcome, guys. You don't have to listen to us talk for that much longer. Yeah. Um, actually, wait. That's really counterintuitive to why you're listening to the podcast. But that's, details. Yeah, details. <laughs> uh, well, well, we'll cover five more minutes of random stuff. Right, five more minutes of random shit. Um. Uh, sleep. I got almost no sleep this week. Nice. Like, uh, and then I'll probably go back to a couple of my drafting projects. Okay. Nice. Um, those are fun, but, um, yeah. yeah, yeah essay so do I, for that, um, architecture class, right? Essay. Didn't you have like an essay do for an architecture class? Or a writing assignment uh, no. of some sort? No? Okay. no. I had an, I had an exam. I've got an essay from my late class. Uh, but, um, and, uh, this I might, yeah. Um, that's cool though. It's fun. I'm just I'm very tired. Sorry, I had yeah. I was up till five, doing work. Now I wasn't even doing stupid stuff. I was doing work till five in the morning three times this week. So I was up just doing stupid stuff. Yeah, you were. Yeah, but I hey, I worked too. <laughs> I I closed down the bar. That's work. Uh. Both sides of the bar, that's work if you had to close down the bar. Uh, but uh, uh, uh-huh. but no, no, no. We, yeah. 
I think I, I work tonight and then tomorrow. Oh, I'm my fiance and I are going to try and go see Death of the Nile. Really? Death on the Nile. Um, well, yeah, because it's like we, we both love Agatha Christie books. And so we want to see, and she's read it. You've, what? You've read Agatha Christie? Yeah. I didn't know that. What'd you, what have you read? Um, I forget the name it's called now, but the original name was like Ten Dancing Indians or something like that. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other one was the murder on the Lynx. Murder on the Lynx, the golf course one. No, 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 it's the train one. Or oh, the, the Ori, the Orient Express. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I started Crooked House, but I haven't finished it. Okay, yeah, no, Crooked House is good. Um, yeah. Actually, I love the Agatha Christie books, the Poirot's, and the uh, the was it the Miss uh, Marvel? No, um, I forgot the other ones. The uh, the old lady detective, but um, no, I always no. preferred the Sherlock Holmes. But I do really like the Agatha Christie Poirot novels. Yeah, my fiance um, read. I think she's finished the whole the whole collection of the Sherlock Holmes. Um, yeah, because yeah. I know she has They're the big fun. one, but I don't know if she's actually finished it yet. Uh, but yeah. Whenever I join in and listen to one of the short stories that there are in it, I am always amazed at how he finds out what he does, you know? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It makes me like want to read it, but let's be honest, people, I'm not that great of a reader. So I do this because I love you guys. I'm kidding. No, I actually like the book too. Um, yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, no. So we're going to go see Death of the, Death of the Nile uh, nice. tomorrow. Depending on the weather, we might go do some golfing. Go teach her some golfing. All right. Yeah. Um. There's a uh, there's actually I think it's on Amazon. Um, it might actually no, I think it's on Netflix. There's a one of the older Poirot TV shows. Um, that's actually really good. It actually like it nails Poirot and Hastings, um, as like the two characters and how they're represented. And it's um, I, I believe it's on Amazon. Or, uh, it's, it's either on Amazon or Netflix. It is um, it actually like sticks pretty close to each of the individual stories, and it's it's pretty well done. What's it called? Do you remember? I, it's it's called Pyro. Oh, like okay. the um, yeah. Okay. Um, which queen launches on Tuesday? Oh yes, if you're a big Destiny fan, that's what yes. Armin's gonna be doing um, for a whole two weeks. Actually, um, oh, one of our listeners email us because I checked that today. Um, who is a big Destiny fan? Yeah, he emailed who, us like three weeks ago. So. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna respond. I'm gonna respond today. But um, yep. sorry, Cal. But um, <laughs> I just saw that, but. Um, that launches on Tuesday. You know what I will be doing. Yep. It's, uh, it's very exciting. Um, if you're like me, Call of Duty Season 2 is launched. Uh, ah. Warzone's map has some pretty cool updates to it. Oh, I heard about that, actually. Um, yep. Um, and let's see, let's see, let's see. That's it. I, like I said, and DC is still shit. <laughs> Different Batman. Um, but still, I, I like yes. Batman. Okay, I like the older Batman's. Like the, I, I like the older Batman movies. You don't like the Dark um, Knight ones? Nah, not really. Um, it's because like they like they turned Batman from just like a classic like hero into a sociopath. And the Joker's supposed to be the sociopath, but um. Actually, it's definitely not Joker. It's Riddler. It's supposed to be that. But um, huh. it's still like actually the one thing I, I will say the one thing about DC that I actually appreciate is the Joker's 
like how the Joker is portrayed up until the Joaquin Phoenix movie. I don't think I've seen that one. It's the newest one. Is Joker's yep. no, it's called. It. But but Jack Nicholson's Joker was a fantastic character. Uh, okay. it's like the old, like the the eighty seven one, I think. Okay. Um, I love. I mean, rest in peace. But I love Heath Ledger's uh, interpretation. Yeah, Heath Ledger's was intense, but like Heath Ledger's was intense. Like, yeah, like it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably yeah. my favorite Joker. Yeah, Heath Ledger also did a fantastic Joker. But if you haven't seen Suicide you should go see Knight's Tale. That's a really good movie too with Heath Ledger. Knight's Tale. That's right. Yeah, I, I forgot he was in that. Um, the, ah, I don't know. The Joker and Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was just an ass movie. I haven't seen it. Um, no. Okay. It's not worth. It's not even worth your time. Okay. Um, the only thing worth it about it is the soundtrack, and you can get that on Spotify. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly, are you gonna see the new Batman? I didn't even know there was one coming out. Yeah, it's been trying to make it a big deal. It's uh, uh, it's it's called it's the Batman. It's who's, another who's Batman? I, I actually I'm gonna look it up. Um, it looks like another extremely violent one. That's just like. Just, Batman. Yeah, that. Um, I guess got it's Batman. And, this one's got Catwoman in it, I think. Okay. Um. But Batman's newest actor. It's Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson as Batman. Yeah. Dude, I'm not familiar with him. I mean, is he not the person I think he is? Uh, who do you think he is? Hey, never mind. He's definitely not the guy I think he is. For some reason, I thought he was in one of those, like, not not Twilight, because I know he's not that guy, but in a, like, Twilight kind of movie. Does that make sense? Like, I thought he was in some type uh, of vampire, like, shit movie. Um, wait. Uh, let's look it up. Um, no, he's not. He's an English actor, though. Oh my god, yes, he was. Oh, he's a, he was in Twilight. Okay. That's the Twilight Saga. Oh, and Tenet, too. Isn't he... Is he not Edward? I, I've never seen Twilight, so I don't know. Yeah, he plays Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter. Oh, that's he's, why he looks familiar. He's Edward Cullen in Twilight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I thought it was him. Uh, okay, it makes me feel a little bit better about my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I think this newest this newest one is uh, with the Riddler as the main villain and Catwoman as like the ally slash love interest, I think, from the trailers. I know. I, I guess. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think Catwoman's always a like. Is they're either like she's either always like on like I think she just loves Batman, but is a villain. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, that's, that's what I think. That's what that's what Joker is. Um, <laughs> that's proven in the Batman the Lego Movie, and let's be honest here, that was pretty badass. That was pretty bad. The the Batman Lego Movie was good, but honestly, like 
Joker does that before. I joke I, I Jack Nicholson Joker doesn't like to directly allude to it, but okay. like Joker saves bad times in the comics, I think. Huh, I don't know that. Um because he wants to be the only person to fight him. It's like like you know Megamont, that um the, the Will Ferrell the, movie? The blue Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. It's fantastic. But it's essentially like like a redone version of Batman and Joker. That's not about mental health. Like, <laughs> um, the idea is called mental. Like the, it has to do with mental, mental. Sorry, but you said you said Megamind does not have to do with mental health, or it does have to do with mental health. Doesn't because DC focuses on that a lot. Yeah, um, which is ironic because it's called Mega Mind. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just saying. That was that was an ass joke, and we. I'm not, try, no, I'm not trying to make a joke. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just stating that like that is just like ironic to me. That, yeah. Fair enough. All right. I think we're good. I think we covered another five, <laughs> ten minutes of rambling. Yeah. We welcome people. Yeah. We're always welcome to ramble. Uh, yeah. Just be wary that, you know, come March, into March, uh, there might be a few weeks where we won't have an episode. Uh, yeah. I don't really think of anything else. I mean, Alrighty, anything last words you want to say? No, uh, just thanks as always for joining us, y'all listening, supporting us, and uh, sorry for the horrible syntax I just had there. And uh, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the weather wherever you are, even if it's shit weather. And uh, enjoy the shit. That too. <laughs> 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 and uh, uh that's 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 all i got i'm tired y'all. i'm sorry take care everybody that's a wrap flights the allegation is produced by chip and Arm, hosted by chip and Arm, created by chip and Arm, edited by chip music is by oscar barbeza website is by chip illustrations are by birdie taylor thank you for listening have a great day